Uh, you know the. Uh, sorry, I have to take a side note here because you know the Bette Midler version of Hello to Ollie starts with um, <clears throat> Hello Harry, well hello Louie. How did she know? How did she know? <laughs> I'm Maxwell. Hi, I'm Carolyn. And this is Mutable Immutables, the show where we quibble queerly. Yeah, sometimes we exchange pleasantries. Only how's for feeling going? spicy. Yeah, how's it going? You know, it's it's good. It's going really good. Um, everyone is gassing me about my mustache, and I'm <laughs> living for it. It really did. Last week, we or whenever, we were kind of skeptical, but it did grow in nicely. <laughs> it did, yeah. and and. She's she's kind of slaying. It's like it's doing numbers on my Insta right now, which so I'm funny. like, it's so validating. Yeah, love that. How are for you? you? I'm great. Thanks for asking. That's all. Good. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, that sounded loaded. I don't know if there's more. No, but... I'm like, yeah, no, I'm great. All good. Peach keen. I've That's just awesome. like been reading for the last like, well, couple hours. It's just, yeah, <laughs> a lot of reading. My brain is burnt, and I have like six pages of notes out in front of me. But I'm excited for today. We love for academia. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Today is going to be fun to talk about because what what are we talking about today, Carolyn? Well, um, okay. So I had to take a step back after last one, last week's whirlwind <laughs> of an episode, where I was like, let me just spit out some facts. And I had to take a step back and I'm like, listen, it's really hard to find sources about like early uh, gay community history if you don't have institutional Mm -hmm. access to anything, which I don't anymore. So I was Mm -hmm. like, honestly, though, it existed in the shadows. So let me just like read more about what was going on in general and I will draw my own conclusions (laughs) about what was gay. So. Um, we're actually starting way back in like the 1820s, which is insane because this is not a time that I know a lot about. So, yeah, I don't, I mean, the American education system is kind of like garbage, like hot steaming fire garbage to begin with. But like, I feel like they just emphasize so heavily, like the foundation of America, the revolutionary war and then civil war and then industrialization in the 1900s like they don't really talk about that like middle bit in the 1800s yeah. a lot of the 1800s actually they don't talk about yeah so this will be interesting so um cool well and we're specifically going to be talking about so okay yeah theater, a couple of different things right so yeah sort of the history of like musical theater and entertainment in america um and then also the history of Times Square and then also sort of the mob because we've talked in the last couple of episodes about like how tenement housing was like such a huge way for gay people to meet each other and like um saloons and that sort of thing but like how did 
where did the saloons come from? Um, so it's kind of interesting. So this is yeah, also that's what we're a about. little bit. It's a little bit intimidating for me as someone who holds a a shiny and beautiful liberal arts degree in theater because y'all are about <laughs> to see just how much I did not retain. <laughs> like to I call honest, myself a theater though, person, but I don't know shit. It doesn't have much to do with like. It's more of like musical variety shows then i'll be talking about like actual broadway theater so well and then like yeah theater just as a as not as a concept but as a um cultural art form in the states was was really finding its footing during this period because this was before the broadway that we knew today so exactly so i'm just kind of stalling because i'm like whoo I got to get into it. Is there anything else before we uh, get started? Um, no, I don't think so. Cool. Then I have nothing else to stall with. All right. Well, let's get into <clears throat> it. Actually, first, I do have to put out just like a general trigger warning, because obviously we're talking about the 1800s and um, the history of entertainment in America, which is um, minstrel shows. And then also we're going to talk about like the civil war and emancipation of slavery and that sort of thing so just a general yeah, i feel like a good warning a good trigger warning for just this whole little series uh is there's lots of racism institutionalized racism that's being discussed uh homophobia um potentially hate crimes murder violence lots kind of, of misogyny yeah. Lots of misogyny. Among um, the rest. Essay probably as well. God knows it's the fucking entertainment industry. <laughs> so anyway. Well, not. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, okay. So 1820s is where we start. Not for any particular reason. Um, but this is around the time where, like, we are getting to the industrialized uh, version of America that we know now. We are gonna. We start to get um huge wait, not huge yet, but we start to get um the first like waves of immigration past the you know original colonial settlers types. Um, and this was just to kind of put it in in some context. This was like the height of the railway, right? This is when America was really the, being worked on with trains and stuff, right? A little later on, actually. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't do I, history. That's that's okay. <laughs> no, but you're in the right century, though. You're correct. Um, <laughs> cool. Uh, but so I didn't do much research about the railway. Um, but it was mostly in California that was getting a ton of immigration from um like Eastern Asian countries, and that's how we got um our very first anti-immigrant uh law. In I think 1881 was the Chinese Exclusion Act, mm. and then that was later uh, expanded to include. <laughs> it was so inclusive; it included all like Japanese, Korean, any <laughs> East Asian. We love this melting people. pot because then when the Italians um, and the Irish showed up, we hated them too. We yeah, love it here. Yeah, exactly. So, um, okay. So at first, it was a lot of like, okay, actually, no, I'm not even getting into that yet because that's going to lead me into like the mob so give me a second um 1820s minstrel and variety shows the height of entertainment um variety shows also include things like freak shows uh oh so, like pt barnum greatest showman hugh jackman exact 
yeah, I don't know anything about the greatest showman, but like PT Barnum is absolutely a part of it. Um so if you're unaware, I'm so sorry to ruin this for you, but menstruality is the act of like caricaturing black people in America um under certain like stereotypes and it was these like musical like productions um that was sort of like satirizing what was happening in the local community but um it ended up being it was like just, just racist snl oh my god it's so freaking interesting that you say that because the standard um like setup for a variety show uh which is like sometimes a minstrel show is like musical entertainment uh there's a host or an mc there's some jokes there's uh like a skit segment and then like maybe some more music which um mm-hmm. I mean that's how, that's how SNL that's SNL yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah um but that was like you know the typical uh variety shows some had more like circus thing and ventriloquism or would have um uh physic people with like physical mal malformities I guess you would call it uh just for people to gawk at um if you've seen freak well and a lot of times these were traveling shows too right yeah there were different like troops like columbia was one like company that would um like tour minstrel shows or whatever so uh minstrelsy kind of uh grew grew alongside the abolitionist movement and while it kind of at one point was like obviously still had these like characters of like black people but a lot of times it was <laughs> it was supposed to be like a positive thing and it was really like lighthearted um uh and like as the abolition movement grew stronger it was just kind of uh got the way it was described is it got more mean spirited which like obviously it was always mean spirited because it's at its core racist but it seems like at one point it was like a happy fun times and like we're gonna parody like things happening in the community and it's not always about black people sometimes it's about irish people um but it oh, got good. to Just the point another, where people were like pretty <laughs> yeah pretty turned off by it but um it really burnt out during the civil war uh but the menstrual shows themselves actually lasted some up until like the 1960s oh my god the 1960s yeah oh my god yeah <laughs> it's insane um jesus christ also around this time we have a lot of irish immigration and uh there is a lot of anti-catholic sentiment because new york was super waspy at the time well america was i guess super waspy at the time there's a lot of anti-catholic was founded sentiment. to be waspy <laughs> i know um if you don't know that stands for what white anglo-saxon protestant so yeah me i don't know you i guess <laughs> yeah a lot of people yeah. <laughs> both of us well i'm not a, kind I'm of not a protestant but i mean neither practicing but you grew up baptist exactly um, yeah anyway so a cultural okay. wasp so yes raised wasp so uh these local street games start to form specifically um 
like a lot of culturally based ones like irish that sort of thing um the five points becomes a settlement uh for like scotch irish um german welsh immigrants around um between broadway and the bowery which is like sort of around times square um which we'll sort of be getting to but so this is when uh the uh five point gangs has most um control over new york city there was just like so little um oversight over the ports and everything that there was just so many easy ways to skim off the top and get involved with like illicit racketeering which racket like a racket is just a scam basically it means you set up a laundromat or uh, a money laundering front like a laundromat or whatever mm-hmm. or um uh, uh like being a like middleman like i'm gonna steal your shipment and you can pay me to get your shipment um i'll like i'll take your shipment to the rails if you pay me this much that sort of thing so the five point uh gang is kind of like the most um influential at the at this point um wait no not at this point uh like throughout i guess like the 1870s through like the 1910s so we have these like street gangs forming that will eventually become the five points gang Anyway, that was kind of out of order, but there we go. Okay, um, back to entertainment. So, 1830s. We get the rise of saloons and music halls as a cursor to vaudeville. And a music hall is just what it sounds like, but it's kind of the basis for, like, cabaret, where there's, like, a performer... Um, and an audience, like, usually sitting at a ta- at tables or something, but there's, like, interaction between the performer and the audience, and you're supposed to, like, engage. It's like a show. And, like, it's like a drag show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, entertainers are encouraged to make people stay and drink, so um, you're trying to do more and more outlandish things. Um, and saloons start to get a bad rap for being like lowbrow entertainment and Mm, um mm -hmm. you know uh uh people of high class go to the opera and go to um right like actually go see shakespeare plays performed and saloons or music halls were just kind of like for for the it's really interesting because shakespeare in his day a lot of times his shows were seen as lowbrow yeah oh my god they like there was a shakespeare revival i guess Mm because like the rise of centralized theater it makes sense yeah but like these bitches love shakespeare um so the panic of 1937 there's there was some economic night oh my god i keep forgetting we're talking about the 1800s this is why i keep getting confused okay 1837 economic downfall uh meant that theater and opera were even more inaccessible and people are having to go to like minstrel variety saloons music hall shows that sort of thing um in 1849 there was a riot in astor place theater which 
ended up kind of solidifying the difference between like upper class would go see theater and opera middle class would go see like minstrel uh and like melodrama shows and then low class would go see saloon uh like bar shows but this Astor Place riot, I'm not going to get into it because I didn't write down all the details, but it's basically like a conflict between these two guys, one McCready, who was from Europe, and one uh, named Forrest, who was from the USA. And they had this feud. They were both really well-known actors, but like there's at this time there was, I wonder why, starting to be a lot of um, anti-British sentiment among um, work, the working class, uh, not unrelated the fact that the working class was so much made up of Irish people at the time. Um, so McCready being a Euro- European, people started to kind of like rally around Forrest and there ended just being um, like some back and forth between these two and like there was a riot when, like, where like 30 people were killed. But, oh my um, God. Yeah kind of gay um (laughs) anyway (laughs) so 1860s um obviously we're about to get into the civil war so like not a ton is happening um in the entertainment industry sorry go ahead sorry i did want to ask um with these burlesque shows and with these variety shows and stuff like that did you come across anything in your research about like early form drag shows because i know that that as a form of entertainment kind of started to date back to i mean it's not drag shows that we know today but like performers were would get in drag for these types of um shows you were like so i was wondering you were like two steps ahead of me ah damn so hold that thought put a pin in that okay (laughs) okay um okay and the 1860s burlesque gets big in the united states um early 1860s so it came from france obviously european uh burlesque was more about um like parody comedy it was just kind of like funny little shows um and it would often um parody famous plays to kind of like make fun of the shakespeare crowd so one it's like a spoof um yeah it's like weird Al. Exactly. So one was Hamlet. Which one's the one? No, Macbeth is the one with witches, right? I mean, I think a couple of them had witches, but that's the most popular. So I don't know that. Uh, no, of course, I can't remember the character's name and it's going to come to me later. But uh, Macbeth and like whatever the fuck this guy's name is, it starts with a B or something. Walk in and the three witches are like, hail, hail, hail. And the guy goes, what what does that mean what are they saying and they goes oh we're just anticipating your reign <laughs> that's cute what like that's hilarious um that is 1860s, cute that holds up too like yeah goddamn, that's funny <laughs> so unlike uh european burlesque uh united <laughs> united states burlesque being ends up being about um the nudity uh and that's about it <laughs> and how the turns have tabled that's what i'm saying um in 1969 is the first hamilton lodge ball do you recognize that name 1969 or 1869, 1869. <laughs> okay <laughs> first hamilton lodge ball which um eventually became like the hamilton lodge masquerade ball and um 
it obviously didn't start as a drag ball, but it was a masquerade ball, and so it was an excuse to um, go in costume and conceal your uh, real-life identity. And um, listen, when you give gays a reason to wear a costume, they're eventually <laughs> they're going to make you regret that choice. Exactly. Um, so this is the time when, so 1870s, uh, New York starts to get a large wave of Italian, Slavic, and Jewish populations immigrating there. So um, obviously this just means like the tenement houses are filling up uh, by the dozen. Um, This uh, post-Civil War, we start to see what is known as bachelor culture. And it was something like, at one point, 67% of men between the ages of 15 and 34 were bachelors, which is like kind of crazy. And like the median bachelor age was 20 or medium age to get married was 26 for men, which was considered really old too. Um, And it was just about like sporty things, smoking cigars and hunting like and like gambling drinking just without all those pesky women in the way so it was just for like men to get together and do men things. just guys being dudes you know yes and um apparently this is a huge thing um this was a huge thing in italy because there's so much gender segregation because of the whole catholic no sex before marriage thing and so it's like the women hang out with the women and the men hang out with the men so men hanging out with men, that's nothing. They're just guys being just dudes. Just guys being dudes. So. Not touching peepees at all. Not even a little bit. Right. So around this time is when we start to get like the YMCA, uh, which like at some point it was being nicknamed like four out of five or something because like four out of five men were there, there were gay. Um, so to get the, like the YMCA and like these, uh, this tenement housing in hell's kitchen for like the low wage workers and it's all single men um because like uh they're they've like all come over from like left their wife and kids at home and are paying the money back so nobody brought their families i think this was different to the irish wave of immigration where a lot of them brought their families i think i read that i'm not sure anyway um Okay, 1880s, uh, minstrels are not really the thing to do anymore. Vaudeville takes over. So while vaudeville isn't the same as minstrel, vaudeville would often contain, as like one of the segments, it would contain like a minstrel show traditionally at the end of it. Now, so, I have a, I have a question about that. Yeah. And I don't know if this came up in your research, but minstrel shows falling out of fashion or like not being the thing to do anymore. Was that a direct result of the Civil War, or do you think people just got bored? Well, I mean, they still existed. I think, like, the majority of people just kind of, like, moved on. Mm. There were better so just things. just kind of, like, fell out of fashion. Yeah, they just Yeah, we bored. had vaudeville now. We had burlesque and, like, music shows now. Um, so, vaudeville takes over. It's a variety. Um, the way it like differs from minstrelsy, it's a variety entertainment with a comedic tone and no psychological or moral intentions where minstrel would often like focus on the current issues or that sort of thing. This was just like no thoughts, head empty, just being silly. Um, just vibes. Just apolitical. Yeah. Uh, but this also takes its inspiration from the Victorian English music halls, which 
were uh, entertainment venues that uh, traditionally contained music acts, but also um, British pantomime, which is um, men in dresses. That's like the basis for British drag. <laughs> um, yeah, and female impersonation was a big part of it. Um, which so, dates Vaudeville. back to Shakespeare, just saying. Yeah. Drag. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so took inspiration from both uh, the like variety shows, still like the aspect of the freak shows, um, and then also the like female impersonation and burlesque, uh, all meshed together to form vaudeville in the eighteen eighties. Um, in the 1890s, cinema begins to develop, though it was initially seen as vulgar and lowbrow entertainment. Uh, meanwhile, the 23rd through 34th Street becomes the Great White Way, which is named that because of all the, like, pretty Broadway lights. Um, so it's just, like, the beginning of Times Square starting to sort of materialize, um, because of industrialization in lower Manhattan and all like the factories, like that sort of thing pushes um, people and therefore vice up from the Tenderloin district. Um, and it becomes known what would become known as Times Square uh, is currently nicknamed the thieves layer. But I love in, that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, at this point it was like, the center of the horse carriage industry or something. And so like some hotels were popping up and it was sort of starting to become populated. But in 1895, um, the Olympia opens up as the first theater and it was like a multi-venue complex that had like theaters, but also like smaller rooms and you could do like multiple shows at the same time. Um, and apparently it's bustling by 1898. So 1900s. I think also that was when the construction of the, subway was like starting to get underway right i think that was late 1800s i could be wrong yes but... oh my gosh yes you're literally always one step ahead of me ah! <laughs> um, so maybe i do uh, know history i know so in 1904 the new york times moves to what was formerly known as Longacre square and they name it times square as well as the newly built subway station <laughs> ah! look at me um Oh my god. So, and then in the in the 1910s and 1913, uh, Times Square is uh, the end of the Lincoln Highway, and so obviously where you have a ton of transportation, you're going to have a ton of crime, corruption, and sex work catering to theater goers, actors, workers, cruisers, um, that sort of thing. So, mob five points gang, this is um, when they have their strongest like hold on power, but like the Italian mob is kind of like starting to take over from there. Um, I think like maybe the guy, some guy went to, some guy had an attempt on his life and he like pulled back and like the Italian mafia sort of like took over where um, they had left off. Um, but they didn't really take hold until like 1920 like before prohibition i guess i don't know um anyway okay so this is when times square starts becoming known for like sex work so because all the theaters were cropping up 
and theater was fucking huge at the time and like as well as like the burlesque and the saloons and all that sort of thing so um they're building tenement houses in Times Square for all the traveling actors to stay in but then also low-wage workers um are staying there as well but then there's also um like the upper class either the upper like upper middle class gays or just like they would (laughs) they would call it slumming when like middle class people went to go like visit the red light district and go see what those crazy gays are up to it's called slumming but um so you had sex sex workers who could cater to them you had sex sex workers who catered to like the actors sex workers who catered to the workers and then like people trying to cruise and like all of these things are happening at once in times square well and then the cross-section of that and the like variety and burlesque shows kind of i don't know if they started to arise at this time but peep shows oh my um, god yeah no that was which i know were huge in the 70s in times square yeah which just a, a quick um sideline uh, i was just looking because a lot of this was sounding familiar if anyone has watched and this is ahead of our timeline but mm-hmm. um it, if you want to like get kind of a peek into what Times square used to be like before it became what it is today um i believe it's in uh the netflix docuseries um crime scene the Times square killer i think that's mm-hmm. where they go over some of the like red light district aspects of of times square in the late 60s and early 70s with a lot of the sex work and peep shows and then there was also a little yep. bit of like um porn theater stuff happening that but that was again that's after our timeline but it I just made so me think of it many porn theaters but this is like the seeds of that um mm-hmm. so also in the 1910s in 1960 no, ugh, 1916 um this gossip magazine tabloid thing came out that we talked about last week which was the broadway brevities and it was um yes it was written by this um guy uh steven and of course i can't remember his last name just a guy just a steven his first name was steven he has a (laughs) four-letter last name i always remember stupid things like that anyway he writes this pamphlet um and in order to sell more copies, he uh, starts writing about more and more salacious things, including like going undercover into the gay world um, and in a roundabout way, exposing um, gay people as to where to find other gay people, such as Times Square. And it was said that or the like, why. Well, exactly. Yeah. Um, and it was said even the most obvious gay man uh, stood out less in Times Square, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is still yes. true today. Um, so in the 1920s, music, musical theater begins to, um, really take inspiration from vaudeville acts, um, as well as, like, the preeminent jazz age, and we have, like, hot jazz coming up from the South at this point. Um, but the pansy craze begins. (laughs) The pansy craze is when people just got so obsessed with, like, everything that gay people are doing. And, like, um theaters would like hire a gay mc just like be gay and funny. just to be gay <laughs> yeah. yeah and it, um you know which is something that like carried into like uh old hollywood movies you can have a gay character but he has to be like the silly butler or like like the comedic character you know they're not allowed to have like an 
inner thoughts or anything like that. Um, but so yeah, this lasts until like the 30s. Um, and in the 30s, Times Square just becomes so depressing. And it's the depression. Oh my god. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, it was the um, depression, which was really depressing. Depression, which was very depressing. Um, and apparently, like the whole vibe just started to change for the worst. Um, and a lot of the theaters closed, so all you had was like saloons, um, and just like nitty gritty, like like nothing really happening. In addition to this, in 1927, the first talkie was released. And, like, mm. cinema had been a thing since, like, the 1900s, like, a little bit before that. But, like, at the time, you still had to have, like, the movie happening and, like, a live musician plays along with the movie. Side note, I have seen that happen live with a Charlie Chaplin film playing and an organist playing live along with oh, it. I love that. He had, like, never seen the movie. He just, like, played along with what was happening. It was insane. But once talkies came over um, and you could, like see a celebrity for like five cents and show it multiple times and all these people get to come see these like glamorous celebrities there was no need to go see a show on um broadway anymore and in addition to this uh the broadway stars themselves start to move to hollywood so that's it well so in that same time that's when I mentioned last week the Federal Theater Project, um, which was, uh, it was part of FDR's New Deal. Um, mm-hmm. To it was it was less about bringing attention and accessibility to the culture and more about uh, creating job opportunities um, to employ um, a bunch of workers who had been forced out of work. Uh, because of the depression. So I'm, I didn't compile this into like fancy notes. I'm just going to like read a little bit from Wikipedia to like give a rundown on, on the federal theater project. Um, it didn't last for very long. It only lasted for about four years. Um, but it served to both, um, give these, uh, lower and middle-class workers, uh, jobs. And then also to bring people back to the theater when they had been going to see, uh, the, the movies and stuff instead, or at that point, talkies or cinema, whatever they called it. Um, so it was founded in uh, 1935 um, by uh, FDR as part of the New Deal um, to fund artistic, live artistic performances and entertainment programs in the United States. So it was not just limited to Broadway, but that's where we see the biggest effect of it because that had already started to become the hub of uh, these live performances in this live theater um, because this was like in the birth of Hollywood. Um, It was one of five uh, larger projects sponsored by the Works Progress Administration. um, And it was created not as a cultural activity, but as a relief measure to employ artists, writers, directors, and theater workers. Um, So like I said, more about the jobs, but it it served to benefit in a couple different areas. Um, National Director Hallie Flanagan shaped the Federal Theater Project into a federation of regional theaters that created relevant art, encouraged experimentation in new forms and techniques, and made it possible for millions of Americans to see live theater for the first time. So even though accessibility was not the goal, it was one of the results, Um, which it's also around this time and because of this, why we start to see some of those like old classic Broadway standards, like you think um, 
I don't know, like Hello Dolly or My Fair Lady or whatever. They didn't come at this Hello. time. But uh, you know the. Uh, sorry, I have to take a side note here because you know the Bette Midler version of Hello Dolly starts with um, <clears throat> Hello Harry, well hello Louie. How did she know? <laughs> How did she know? <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. How did she know about that? I don't want to talk about that or <laughs> Liam Payne's plastic surgery. Did you see that? Oh, okay, <laughs> Bethany Frankel. Jesus Christ. Um, no, let me not comment on people's physical appearance. <laughs> um, yes, I saw it. Well, but he outsold the others. Doesn't matter. Anyway. Okay, um, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> so, um, back to the Federal Theater Project. Although it only consumed about 0.5% of the allocated budget from the Works Progress Administration and was widely considered a commercial and critical, critical success, Um, the project actually became a source of heated political contention, which is really frustrating because it was doing so many wonderful things for the arts and entertainment industry, uh, creating all these jobs, creating accessibility, um, giving people a reason to write and create art um, in a time of just like general hopelessness and despair. Um, And so it was hugely successful, but it was due to political tension, read, racism, that um, it started to uh, become dismantled. So uh, Congress had responded to the project's racial integration and accusation of communist infiltration um, and ended up canceling the Federal Theater Project on June 30th, 1939. Um, Wow. It's, I mean, I'm not going to get into the whole wiki article about that, but um, it's, it's just so fucking frustrating because this was this was government funded arts that was actually successful because there wasn't there wasn't like a lot of censorship although had it been kept alive that it probably would have started to get really toxic in that way but um it it was not about trying to convey any sort of propaganda or any sort of message uh i mean the the playwrights could if they wanted to but it was not some like shadowy weapon that the government used to like indoctrinate the citizens of the country it was literally just to create jobs and because it was so open-ended like that and was more about the jobs than the accessibility or the culture people were able to create the works that they wanted to create and they were able to showcase um these amazing projects and then because of racism and because of integration and potentially communist ideals it was canceled yeah um so yeah, the twenties and thirties. Obviously, we talked this whole time about how the twenties was really progressive culturally, but like politically as well. Obviously, the New Deal, like, um, and then like the labor rights pushes of the twenties. Like, this was like actually a super progressive time, um, for America. But then, um, like you said, sort of communism, um, took hold. Well, I mean, it's always one step forward, two steps back, right? And so that's why we're starting to see um, kind of, I don't want to say sequels, but that's why, like, the times that we're living in now, with them being similar, like, with the context being a little bit similar to oh, you mean the a moral panic? And 30s and 40s. Yeah, moral panic, um, economic strife and trouble, um, recessions, yeah. again, you know. No it's, kidding. Yeah. People panic um, and then they just they want to blame an easy 
scapegoat, and currently it's drag queens and queer people. But so anyway, anyway. that's um the history of variety shows. That's the history of SNL, <laughs> which plays into the history of gay people because gay people love theater. Oh yeah, that was kind of implied this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We didn't talk explicitly about it, but yeah, I mean, we're we're focusing on queer history, and so this is like really contextual. Sorry, it's but... supposed to be like implied. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I mean, with the tenement houses and with the the YMCA, and then with things like the Broadway brevities, like accidentally signaling to queer people where to congregate. Yeah. Um, and with not queer people mention, just already like... congregating in these areas. Yeah, they not obviously to mention, started like, to gravitate towards theater and sailors too are like classically yeah. gay. Oh yeah, just saying. And I imagine next episode we'll probably talk about World War II, so we can get all. I into keep that. saying, I keep saying that I'm going to get to it, <laughs> but honest to God, there is like so much. I do so much <laughs> reading just to talk about like dumb shit, like variety shows. There's so much more research I need to do to talk about um, the wars, especially um, just specific to New York City. Yeah, which is, it's also hard because, like, the effects of that are not limited to New York City. Um, no, I, but, yeah. But that and, was a big yeah. one. But anyway, maybe one of these days we'll talk about the war. Well, and, and listeners, the good news is neither one of us is an alpha male, so we can talk about the world wars, and it's not going to be horrible to listen to, I hope. Oh my god, I mean, it'll be horrible to listen to, but, <laughs> because it's boring. <laughs> cool. But, Love that vote of confidence. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> Um, okay, cool. Uh, what's the question? What are you into? Oh, yeah, okay, so, um, not too long ago, I impulse bought, I am such a danger to myself and others, if we can be so real, because, um, my boyfriend and I were just, we were just, like, hanging in bed watching TV the other night, and I was just, like, looking around, because we had just, like, redone my walls to, like, put up some of my plant shelves. And, like, I don't know if you can see, but I have, like, a thousand pictures of Raja on my wall. Is it from the They're calendar? They're free calendars yeah. that we got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, it's the only decor, really, that I have. And so they're just all over the place. I'm going to replace They were selling those but, for $75, um, and we got handed one each for free. And I use it every yeah, day. Yeah, on, like, the last day of DragCon. Yeah. yeah. Um, and... Uh, the calendar is kind of slay. Like these are these are pretty decent prints. Oh, yeah. I do like a lot Absolutely. of them. Absolutely. Um, anyway, so uh, we had we had redone um, some of my walls and stuff, and I was like getting decor focused. Uh, and as a gay, I hate an overhead light. I refuse to use an overhead light. I like mood lighting. I like the vibes. Um, and like I've got my little neon sign back here, um, but that was kind of the only like a vibey light in my apartment and I was like no I need more um oh sorry no I do have a light up moon which is also kind of vibey but anyway um so I was like just talking to him about how I wanted to get these different lights in and I was like oh my god uh I've seen these like tv like backlight things that are supposed to like reflect what's on your tv and like play it on the wall which is like allegedly supposed to like reduce eye strain or whatever but mainly it's just for the vibes <laughs> um and so I was like that would be cool to have let me look on Amazon um but i was like i'm not gonna buy it because you know they're not the cheapest thing that exists um and then like my boyfriend wasn't trying to like influence me or do anything he was just there to support me and it took less than five minutes for me to bring this up to myself and then for me to buy these fucking things 
and then they arrived the next morning. So I installed them and everything, and they're actually very slay. Um, it's because you can do like all these different effects with them, or you can just have them reflectors on the TV. So I'm very into that. I also do still have an Amazon cart loaded of other decor items that I will be purchasing probably tomorrow since I get paid tomorrow. Um, I'm I'm living for decorating my space. Basically, that's what I'm into. Love that for you. What are you into? Um. Well, in usual fashion, let me just read you some movies that I've watched in the last week because there's been some interesting <laughs> ones. Um, here are the movies I have watched since we last spoke. <clears throat> American Mary, Slumber Party Massacre, Surf Nazis Must Die, Carnival okay. of Souls, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, Lake Mungo, Carol, which was so lesbian, so hot, Kate Blanchett. Oh, the Kate yeah. Blanchett movie? Um, yeah. <laughs> unrelated. And she's not a lesbian. Can you believe that? I... Only learned that like last week when I was watching this, but I feel like she played. It's so insulting. Doesn't she play? I feel like she's. This is not the only gay character she's played. I absolutely thought that she was like it's with a woman in real absolutely life. Absolutely not. Yeah, it's not. And she gives some of the most lesbian energy. Yeah, um, she was amazing in that, obviously. But you know, pretty ladies. Um, unrelated. Next, I watched Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Kind of the best movie I've ever seen. Um, I watched this movie called Be My Cat. <sighs> um, <laughs> it's Romanian. Okay. And it's by this guy who the whole movie is, it's a mo- like a mockumentary and he's filming himself, but his character so he's also the director, but his character is filming this to go to um, Anne Hathaway to convince her to make this movie with him. And then in the movie like that we're watching, he is um, like filming these girls for his movie and showing Anne Hathaway how great his movie will be that, so that she can. But then he does like increasingly horrible things to the girls or whatever. It was so uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, it sounds really cerebral. If you've ever seen the movie Creep, it was a lot like that. But um, never seen that. Yeah. Anyway, that was a doozy. Um, I watched Last House on the Left. I watched The People Under the Stairs, which is a Wes Craven movie I had never heard of. It's from the early '90s, so it predates Scream. It was fucking incredible. Less scary, more like. I mean, it's scary and how Scream is scary. There's, like, a couple of jump scares and, like, creepy mm. things. But it's about, like, like these incestuous mom and dad. And the dad dresses up in a gimp suit. And they keep people in their basement and lock their daughter in the attic. But then it's, like, the protagonist and the guy who saves the day is this, like, little 12-year-old, 12-year-old boy named Fool. And he's just like the best protagonist ever. And it was, it was like one of the first, um, like kind of self-aware movies where, like, for example, the kid opens the door and hears scary noises coming from the basement. And instead of like going down into the basement, like a, a lot of movies before him, he goes, like, hell no, or something like that, and runs away. And it was like one of the first movies to do that. Anyway, it was incredible. I loved it. Um, I watched the Poughkeepsie tapes. Hmm. I fucking hated it. It was um torture porn and not even good actoring actoring 
I hated uh, it. Uh, Actoring. <laughs> Tremors, which was a Kevin Bacon movie. Um, it was pretty good. It was kind of like a Western. Also, Is that Reba McIntyre? Yes, with Reba McIntyre, exactly. Um, kind of gave us... I only know that because Trixie and Katya talk about it. Oh, so really? Um, I yeah. yeah, I didn't remember that. But yeah, no, Reba McIntyre's in it. And um, it's kind of gay vibes, but like all Westerns kind of are. Um, high Tension. Well, the West was gay. Yeah, um, we could get into that when we talk about like Hollywood, but yeah. Uh, high Tension, Dog Tooth, which was weird and also incestuous. I Spit on Your Grave, had to skip through half of it, too much torture porn. Um, Shivers and Rabid, which are both uh, David Cronenberg films, um, one of which the fear is that everybody will have to be vaccinated and walk around with a card that says they're vaccinated. But it came out in 1977. Oh. <laughs> oh anyway, so those Triggered. are the movies I have watched. Um, I'm going insane. That's a hey, Carolyn. That's a lot of. I'm movies. watching like three a day. <laughs> like that's wild. I know. How do you have time for that? I literally, don't know. I'm a good multitasker, though. Hmm. I don't know. Mutable sign. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna take your word for it. But yeah, that's lots of movies. I mean, in two weeks, though, that's like well, I guess that's like a movie a day but i've watched like three i mean movies i some days. i couldn't tell you the last time i sat down and like actually watched a movie that being said though i'm the type of person to be scrolling through netflix and i'll see a movie that i want to watch and i'll be like yeah but i don't have the like energy or the mental like wherewithal to like sit through a whole movie and then instead i'll turn around and sit through like six hours of like a, a tv show for a while or like a docuseries for a while you know there's like that one brand of video games that I like to play and nothing else called the Elder Scrolls. Mm-hmm. Uh, at some point I got into watching these like six hour retrospectives of the game where you just like <laughs> listen to a guy talk about like the interesting things in the game. And it's not like I'm like sitting there watching it, but like I am watching it. <laughs> well, so for our listeners, if there's one thing to know about Carolyn, if you've not already picked up on it, she loves a deep dive. Oh my god, no kidding. <laughs> I love a deep dive. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm into. Any um, oh, little cool. victories for you? Yes, actually. I have been getting very good, or at least much better, about talking about my feelings and advocating for myself in a way that is not um, accusatory um, and also not apologetic. So that's very slay for me. I've also been working on listening to other people's feelings without, um, without trying to be a fixer. This is salient in my brain right now because I literally had Just therapy had right therapy, before yeah. this. But <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm feeling very good about that. I also, um, my plants are doing so good and I have gotten a couple more. I'm now up to, I think, like 18. Um, and I'm I'm just very, very happy about all of that. Oh, and then another little victory. I finally, I've been telling myself that I was going to put up these fucking plant shelves mm. for like two months now. Finally got them put up. And then, as I said earlier, got my like wall space redecorated and rearranged. And it's just all very, very good. Love that. So. It's also the yeah. first day. What about it's you? It's the first day of spring for one thing. Is that today or tomorrow? I thought it was today. Maybe it's tomorrow. Well, either way, happy spring, happy Aries season, happy equinox. Um, my victory is that some of my seeds are sprouting. I have um, oh my god, sixteen little planters set up um next to my desk, 
which also means that I have a plant light um, on during the day because I don't get natural light enough to grow seeds. Um, but that also means that I have the harshest lighting I have ever had in my life mm. um, because it's like super bright light. And that's like what this lighting is and like all my work calls. Um, but my seeds are sprouting except for one, but they're not supposed to that. for like another couple days. So it's fine. But yeah. I'm actually about to get some, uh, some like indoor window box planters. They're like more oblong um, because I have a bunch of like culinary herb seeds. Um, and I had tried to grow a couple of them. Um, I started growing some basil and they did sprout. They were doing pretty good. Um, but I didn't realize I didn't know enough about plants at the time when I planted them. Um, I put them in this adorable little planter, but it didn't have any drainage holes. Mm -hmm. And so at a certain point, they stopped growing. And then they kind of shriveled, and I was like, "Well, okay, it's fine." Yeah. Um, I have one s rosemary sprig that has grown from a seed, and she's actually doing very well. Nice. Um, she can't hold her own weight though, because I don't think oh. I planted her deep enough. But she is still growing. And then I had um. I had gotten some garlic from the grocery store and I just, I typically with garlic, I just leave the bulb on the counter because I think it like deteriorates faster if you put it in the fridge. Um, and one of the little cloves had started to sprout. Like it didn't have any roots, but it had the top little sprout, the green one. Um, and so I let that grow on the counter for a little bit and then I planted it like a week ago um, and it's doing really good. But I just, I'm excited for these planters because I just want to plant all these herbs, especially now that it's springtime and I yeah. can just fill up my windowsill with those. It'll be great. Yeah, so fun. Because I've got an east-facing window, too, and it's fucking huge. So it's, it's very good for all my, my plants and stuff. And I yeah. finally got a humidifier for my tropical babies. So things are good. Cool. Well. All right. Well, um, anything else? I don't think so. Anything else from you? Okay. Um, not from me, other than to just say thank you for being an academic and doing all that research. <laughs> Thanks for letting me cancel <laughs> yesterday. I literally could not do it. <laughs> oh, you're fine. I had a bunch of stuff going on yesterday anyway. Cool. So. Okay. Awesome. Well, um, thank you all so much for listening to those of you that have. Um, if you have enjoyed what you've heard and you are chomping at the bit to hear more, uh, go ahead and follow us on socials. We are chronically inactive, but that's okay ah, because those are our main channels. <laughs> Fuck me, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, you can follow us on Mutable Immutable, or sorry, you can follow us on Instagram at Mutable Immutables. You can find us on Twitter at Immutables Pod. Uh, you can find us on YouTube at Mutable Immutables. Uh, we are also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and then also, if you've enjoyed it, or if you know us personally and you haven't done it already, go ahead and give us five stars. Just do it. It would yeah. be so cool of you. It would be honestly very. Very slay. And it would be homophobic to not, you know, because this is, you would be choosing to not support a queer art form, that's right? That's exactly what I've been telling them. Yeah. How are you going to sleep at night? Yeah. Um. Anyway. Thanks. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye.